Hey guys, this is Sarah from Engage Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast today. Subscribe to our podcast channel in iTunes so you'll get sermons as we upload them. We would love for you to leave comments and like our podcasts in iTunes as well. If you have any more questions or want more info about Engage Church, check out our website at engagechurchduluth.com. Enjoy. We've been talking about um, the outcasts. And I know that we don't have to raise our hands in here, but I'm sure that we could all say that at some point in our life, we felt left out, we felt rejected, and worst of all, sometimes we've even felt forgotten. And that is just not a good spot. I mean, we actually, we can, we can empathize with those kind of feelings because those are real. And that's a, that's a dark place to be when you felt forgotten. Um, it's just not really exciting. And so this is actually, what we're talking about is, is actually how we view or how we should look at, at people that the world would maybe label outcasts. A lot of times we, we understand what it feels like to be rejected, but then at the same time in kind of our humanness, in our flesh as some would say, in just our minds, we have a tendency to push certain people away or reject certain people because it's just not something that we want to be around, right? We, we kind of even maybe accidentally do that through our life experience. We, we might even do that on purpose because we just kind of carry some type of prejudice turn, towards a certain group or a certain uh, person. And what is very interesting as we read scriptures, if we're going to call ourselves followers of Jesus, if we're going to call ourselves disciples of Jesus, if we're going to learn to be Christ-like, if we're going to follow him, then we have to look and see how he approaches the outcasts. We have to look and see how he receives them. And we have to pay very close attention, and some of us might have to even change the way that we think or the way that we respond to those people as well. Amen? So some of this stuff, I mean, guys, sometimes truth will hit you like a Mack truck. It just will. And other times it's just kind of softly and it brings you along. But I want to share this with you today, especially if you're kind of new and you're like, oh boy, every time I step in a church building, I just feel this like brimstone and fire, like I feel kind of shame. Truth is never meant to keep you in shame. It's actually more about freedom. You know, conviction can feel funny and goofy and and like, man, I I just feel weird about this. I feel bad about myself. But we're going to learn today a little bit about what that is. And it's never meant to keep us there. It's actually meant to bring us forward. So if you hear something today that kind of sticks a little bit or stings, just I encourage you to be courageous and absorb that and see what God has for you on the other side of it. Because I promise you, it's something beautiful, something new, something fresh, and you guys want to be on that side. I mean, I don't know anybody in here that would say that they don't like freedom, right? I don't know anybody in here that would say that they don't want to kind of find a way if they're kind of lost on a path, right? I mean, that sounds good to me. I think so. I don't know a person in here that would probably tell me they don't want to be better tomorrow than they were today, right? I mean, we want to move forward. We want to grow. And that's what this time is about. And so let's get into it. You know, um, I'm sure I'm probably the only one in here that has um, maybe made a wrong decision or got caught making a wrong decision. Like speeding. I'm sure all you guys like mind the speed limits and you never like kind of coast through a four-way stop sign, nothing like that. My wife, that's the only ticket she ever got. And uh, I think it was only like a $10 thing. Go to Bismarck if you're going to break those kind of laws because they just do not really charge you very much. It's like $10 to go through a stop sign. Like who's going to stop at a stop sign, right? So um, not much incentive. 
But the point is, is like we've all kind of done those things. I know that when I was younger, one of the things I always did, and this is like, for those of you who know me, you're going to be like, yeah, that sounds like you. I just, I, I was kind of, well, let's just say dumb. I can call myself that, I think. And I would always go down, my mom would make like a nice German chocolate cake, and I love that frosting. And um, I would just go down and I would start to eat just the frosting because who wants the cake, right? It just fills you up. You can't get all that good stuff in there. And then I'd try to kind of take a butter knife and, and thin out the, the frosting so she wouldn't know. So like half of the cake, you know, was like frosted with, with not enough frosting. And she'd bust me every time and I'd kind of play the dumb card like, I don't know what you're talking about as I have, you know, German chocolate breath and things like that. So it's just, you know, I got caught all the time doing stuff like that. And I think that we've all been there, uh, whether or not we'll admit it, we have. And today, we're going to look in John 8. And we're just going to kind of coast through this story and, and talk about it a little bit. But we're actually going to see a woman that got caught. She got caught doing something that she shouldn't have been doing. And here's the reality. By the law of this time, like just as if we go out and we go 10 miles an hour over the speed limit on 35, if we get pulled over and we get a ticket, I mean, that's, that's justifiable of, we need to pay that ticket. That's the law, right? And so by law, this lady deserved to be punished. She deserved to be really rejected in a lot of ways, according to the law. She deserved condemnation. She deserved kind of being put as an outcast, according to the law. But we see that Jesus approaches this in a different way. And so we're going to talk about that today. Let's start in John 8, 2 and 3. It says this, At dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him. I love that. Wherever Jesus is, like people are gathering. That's just kind of a unique thing to understand when you read in Scripture. Very, very cool. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. So just really quick, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, these were the guys that, that should know a lot about God's character and who he was and how God wanted to pursue his creation that was like broken off in relationship with them. But they were so about this law that it made them very rigid. It made, it made their hearts kind of grow uh, angry and bitter towards people. And instead of like going out and loving on people and serving people, they would actually be push people away that they just didn't, they thought were unclean or sinners or breaking the law type of thing. They would, they would view you uh, in a wrong way. So here this lady comes in. Now imagine this, try to put you guys, like get a, get a picture for a second. They're, they're having like a grow group or a Bible study or a gathering like this. And all of a sudden this woman that was caught in the action uh, or in the, yeah, in the action of adultery gets brought in. She didn't have time to, to get herself her hair, her hair done and all that stuff. I mean, maybe like a towel wrapped around her and just this humiliation, like we're, we're bringing you in. This is all about punishment at this point, right? And, and this is what happened. So, so just imagine how, how that would have just kind of, whoa, like just shocked everybody around, right? And, and so this woman was caught. She was guilty. She was brought in, probably, you know, half nude, whatever it was. It was just in a shameful, shameful way. And now the voices of rejection, the voices of condemnation start coming out of the crowd. They, they start probably just kind of rising up in her own uh, mind. And this is probably what she heard. Your life is over. Your life is over. No one's going to want you now. What man is going to want to be with a woman that's been caught in this action? There's no going back. 
You call yourself a believer? God would never forgive you. You're not worthy. I mean, you, you've just really crossed over the line. These are the voices that, that have come in and these are the voices that a lot of us have felt and even sometimes uh, we've been caught in those actions or we've been caught in our, in our anger and our bitterness and our lust and our overspending, whatever it might be. We've been caught in that and we've, we've felt that. We've felt like maybe nobody is condemning us but we bring that on to ourselves. We can relate with this woman. We've heard those lies and the thing about it is it doesn't always have to be something that we've been caught at. You ever notice that? This is what surprises me so much. Some of us in here, we just have some of these things that we're doing in secret. And it's, it's keeping us in this box. It's keeping us in this prison. I, I had uh, coffee with a gentleman this week, and he was kind of telling me, he gave me this illustration of, can you imagine being like 20 years in solitary confinement where you just like have like a little bit of a glass that you can see out of, you would just kind of go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into yourself until you would just like explode. You'd probably lose your mind. I mean, you're just in this little box and you're by yourself to your thoughts. Boy, you better really have God's word hidden in your heart and that type of thing. And, and this is where we all can feel at times. Some of us are in a public place right now but we feel like we're in that solitary confinement. We're just in ourselves and we're believing these lies that we're not worthy, that we don't measure up, that we've messed up too many times, that it's over, our life is over, that nobody's gonna want us, that God can never forgive us. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. This woman was caught and she was guilty. The, the thing about it is that where I was going with this is that what surprises me is that it doesn't even have to be uh, something that's out in the open that we were caught at. Some of us have this kind of secretive thing that nobody else knows about, but we still carry this solitary confinement type of thing, this guilt, this shame, and it, and it breaks us down. And, and it's a scary thing where we're, we have like maybe a fear of getting caught. Maybe we're, we're trying to like erase our tracks all the time, and so it's like this cycle of just, just hard to break, hard to break, hard to break, Right? I remember that um, this is kind of the, the weird thing. I'm just going to be transparent here. I remember uh, fifth grade. Um, it was the first time that I was ever introduced to any type of uh, pornogra pornography magazine. And there was, it was actually a girl down the road that was in my grade. Her dad had a barn and he had kind of like this stash and we came across like a Playboy. And... Didn't really have a clue what that was so much, you know, but we just kind of knew like, okay, there's something there. And I remember as we were looking through it that, that it was like this adrenaline. I actually remember like my heart pounding like, ooh, it was like kind of like this adrenaline. So there was, there was kind of like this excitement like, wow, this is really neat looking at this. But at that very same moment, it was like this flood of guilt. Like, man, I know that I am not supposed to be in this situation. But I can't look dumb in front of her. I can't look like, you know, it was just a number of things going through a fifth grader's mind, right? And I remember going home and my, and I even, I actually remember this. Like my mom kind of met me uh, at the door, not in like this like movie kind of way, but just like, oh, hey, Josh, you know, it's good to see you all of this. And I'm just kind of feeling guilty. And I ran into my room and I put my head down. And I just started praying. I'm like, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. 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 Because if you say that a million times, like he's like, like, okay, I get it, you won't. And, I, and I, that prayer, I didn't. I stayed true. I stayed true for the rest of my life all the way up until the next day at 3 o'clock when I went back over <laughs> to her house. And here I am caught in this thing again. 
And so it was just this continuing cycle. So my, my point is, is that we can, we can kind of be in this where there's this like excitement and at the same time there's guilt. And we have to find a way to break that. And it doesn't just limit to uh, sexual sin. It's not just limited to that at all. In fact, some of us, we deal with this in overeating. You know, where, where it just, it fills some type of void, but at the same time, there's this massive guilt that comes along with it. Some of it is in overspending, where it's like, man, I got to fill this void. I just, I just, I need this next thing, and it, it makes me kind of get high for like five minutes, and then it just brings you right back down, and you're like, man, why did I do that? I have my wife to tell me when I do that kind of stuff, so I don't really deal with that one. No, I'm just kidding. But um, some of us deal with that in substance abuse, you know, like where, where we're just like, you know, we, we just can't break this thing. We can't break it. And, and it's like it's, it's filling this void for like five or ten minutes, and then we just deal with all this guilt. It is a cycle that is just madness. A lot of us deal with this in anger. Some of us deal with this in lust. Some of us, and, and I would say, no, nah, I don't want to like, categorize male over female, but some of us would go on to like Pinterest and we see this like awesome, awesome layout of a house that's just clean and they got like 10 kids and the kids are all like, you know, just doing the right thing, reading their book and eating their Wheaties and doing the things that they should do. And mom maybe is looking at that and she's like, man, I don't measure up. I just sent my kids out the door. They had like boogers coming out of their nose and their socks didn't match. And I don't even know if I gave them lunch money. And all of a sudden you're just kind of feeling guilty because you're trying to measure up to something that you're not. In other words, my point is, is that it really sums up as this. We kind of define this thing as like, in our minds, I did bad, therefore I am bad. In other words, action gives us our identity. And that is a cycle that we have to break. We have to break. We all, we all kind of get there at times, whether we're there right now or not. It's probably a spot we've been we might be kind of doing some things that are getting us to go into that. So I've done bad, therefore I am bad. And the sad thing is, is that we have a tendency to kind of spew that out into the world. And we start to think like they're bad or they've done bad, so they must be bad. And then that kind of starts to hinder how we respond to the world and to the people that are out there that really need us the most to reach out and just show a loving hand. And that's really where I want us to kind of go today is to see how Jesus responds to this lady because I want to tell you some things. We've been talking a little bit in here and if you didn't miss anything, but there's 86,000 people, I'm going to say 87,000 people in Duluth city limits. And that doesn't include the surrounding areas. There's tons of people like Proctor, Cloquet, all that stuff, Superior. But that's just Duluth city limits and I'll just use that math. And less than 10% of those 87,000 people say that they attend a church regularly or say that they actually attend a church at all. Less than 10%, but let's just say 10%, so that gives us 8,700 people say that they will be in a church this Sunday out of 87,000. That leaves us with 78,300 people in this city that do not regularly hear the message of Jesus. They don't regularly hear that they're not condemned, that they're loved, and that they're forgiven. That's 78,300 opportunities we have every week to show these people that feel the same condemnation that we do, the same rejection that we do at times, to show them that they're accepted, that they're loved, 
that there's a group of people that truly wants to lock arms with them, live life, and that they've done bad, that that doesn't mean that they have to have their identity, that they are bad. That when the world's against them, when their families left them, when their friends have forsaken them, that Jesus never will, and the body of Christ is here to represent Jesus and show you that. That's an opportunity. And you say, well, that's wishful thinking. Well, I will wish that and I will pray that till the day I die and I will preach that until there's no breath left in these lungs because that is where we have to get. These people need Jesus. And they're not out there miserable, by the way. Some of them aren't even understanding that they need to seek after God or they're just kind of like living their lives. But everybody needs the truth of Jesus. Everybody needs that acceptance. Everybody needs to know that they're loved and that they can be a part of a community that wants to strengthen them. And that's what we want to do here, right? We want to strengthen this community. And we want to bring Jesus with us as we're doing it. So let's go on and see how Jesus responds. I mean, if we really look at this situation, the ladies brought in, if we look at this situation happening nowadays, I mean, it's really no different. We would say, man, my marriage is over. Um, bad reputation. Nobody's going to want me. There's like whispers going around, right? Um, you feel like you're just, you're losing your kids' respect. Like whatever that is. I mean, it's, it's really no different than what she, she dealt with, right? And so the crime was actually punishable by death. And like, let's just read on here for uh, another little bit here. It says, they made her stand before the group. That's a little humiliating. And said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Here it comes. In the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. Uh, Now, what do you say? Now, I got to kind of clear up just one little thing here is that according to the law of Moses, according to their law that they lived by, she was guilty. And in the Jewish law there, there, this was like one of the top three sins where you would stone somebody. No questions asked. You drag her out. She's getting stoned by the town dead. This is, what, this is how high of a punishment that was. Now, they asked Jesus this question, and he's kind of they're, they're trying to almost put him between a rock and a hard place because if he agreed with them that she has to be stoned, then they're kind of like, well, sweet. We're trying to kind of debunk that Jesus is who he says he is. And if he says, yep, go ahead and stone her, then that reputation of him loving and forgiving and caring for people, that's out the door. And he's going to lose credibility. But if he lets her go and lets her be merciful and he forgives her, um, and he is, then he is condoning adultery and therefore he's breaking the law. So we got him there too, hook, line, and sinker, right? And so this is really what the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were trying to do. They were tr- really trying to trap him uh, using that. And that's just not, not just my words. If we read on, it says, they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down, I love this, and started writing on the ground with his finger. Started writing on the ground. And I don't think he was writing poetry. But really what he was writing is he starts just writing these words with his fingers. And they were actually, he was just listing off sins of the accusers. So really, Jesus is God. Jesus was in God, uh, in human form as God. He knows everything. He could see right into the heart of those teachers of the law and the Pharisees, and he knew what was happening inside. Jesus knows what's going on with you today, and he's right there for you. It says, uh, his word actually says that when we were enemies of him, when we were like the darkest, turning away, not even wanting him, that he died on a cross for us. We just can't even understand that kind of love. That's a huge, 
radical love. But Jesus starts writing down these sins and he's kind of, he's just, you know, keeps chalking them down, chalking them down. And then this is kind of what he had uh, to say. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said, let anyone of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And so as they're kind of like looking over this, it's like without sin, without even wanting to do these types of sins, you know? Like I, I can just kind of imagine the uh, little bit of like trying to save face and you're kind of leaning over to see Jesus' list and you're like, oh, uh, okay, well, yeah, I got that coffee that I'm going to minister to somebody. With. You know, you're just kind of like dipping out quick because you know you don't want to be called out for what you're doing. And really that's what, that's what happens um, right here. I'll read one more verse, then we'll kind of slow down for a minute. It says, uh, they, they kind of started dipping out. It says, again, Jesus uh, stooped down and rode on the ground. So he kept going. I mean, I'm curious to know how long that list kept going right there, right? Uh, you know, you don't want to go to Jesus and, and try to question him. He's a wise, wise man. At, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. I, you just see him dipping out. See you later. I'm not going to stick around for this. The older ones first. So apparently the older guys were wise. They're like, okay, this is for real. We're going to get out of here. And then us young guys, we really like to be beat up uh, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she answers back, no one, sir. She said, and this is awesome, then neither do I condemn you. What an amazing, amazing thing. See, we are oftentimes, we, we just kind of get into our everyday routine. We, we kind of, we just see what's going on in the world. And guys, this is so easy to get there. And I don't want us to, I, I'm not up here on a soapbox and pointing our finger. I'm just trying to open our eyes to this a little bit. If we're truly going to be about grace and mercy, how are we showing this city that? By putting everything that we're against out there and in front of us and making sure, hey guys, I just want you to know, like we're against this, 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 and this. Just know that. Or are we going to be a little bit more about what we're for? Because I'll tell you, every single person in here that's met Jesus, that's walking with Jesus now, has been forgiven the same sins of this woman. We serve a God that, that adultery is the same as murder to him. That a lie is just as bad as lust. That greed matches up with anger. Sin is sin. And scripture says sin. Sin. The result of that, the wages are death. The wages are death. So we, we've all... We've all been in this woman's spot, maybe not in that particular situation, but we've all been here. And Jesus says that he doesn't condemn. This woman deserved that condemnation. She deserved to be walked away from. She deserved to be rejected by the law. But we're not about the law. We're about the grace and the mercy that Jesus gives through a relationship with him. And this is what he has to say in Romans 8.1. He says, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know that today? If you've been walking around with this guilt and the shame that you're not worthy enough, that you don't measure up, let me tell you, just take this away today. There's no condemnation for you in Jesus Christ. None. Zero. Not a little bit. Not a little bit. None. It is front-loaded forgiveness that he gives you. That is a gift. And let me tell you, like, I think people are crazy that don't consider that. I said it. 
It's hard for me to get, I mean, I know how messy my life is. I know what kind of person I am. Jeremiah tells us that the human heart, there's nothing more deceitful than the human heart, that it is just filled with lies and, and all kinds of things. And, and, and when we don't run after Jesus, it just surprises me because this is like a free gift, a free gift of forgiveness that's just handed to us. But we fight that off and we stay in our guilt and we stay in our shame because we're buying into the, the, the lies that put us in that, in that prison wall, if you will, in life, that we're not measuring up, we're not good enough, that we don't deserve it. And then when we're there long enough, we start to put other people in that. And it affects how we look at the world and it affects how we can reach the world. And that is not God's plan. God's plan is that we reach out and that we love. I just love that. So this woman's hearing all these lies and she kind of sees the truth in Jesus that you're not what you did. You know, I, I don't condemn you and you're not what others say you are. And I just want to say that when we think about the 78,300 people that are unchurched in this city, again, I'm not saying that they're broken down and, and that they're just like living miserable lives or anything like that. No, I'm saying that they need Jesus. They need to hear this message. These people have names out there. They're real people, just like you and me. And they're living in this life where they just don't even know about this freedom. And so ask yourself, like, the question, how far would you go just to maybe be able to reach one? Would you invite somebody to church maybe once every week and just maybe have the humiliation of somebody being like, dude, you're weird? I mean, is that really so bad? For one person maybe to, to come and sit in these seats and then find a path with Jesus and, and get baptized and, and get onto this road that just changes their life forever. Because this is how Jesus ends the story here. Just because we come to him doesn't mean that we won't struggle, that we won't battle some of these things. But it does mean that we can overcome them. Because a lot of times, I've, as a pastor, I've, I've heard people say like, well, you know, I struggle with lust and that's just kind of my thorn. I'm just going to have that. Or I just struggle with addiction and that's where I'm at and it just will never go away. I understand these things are extremely difficult. And I understand that there's some of these things that I don't even understand. But let me tell you something about Jesus that's true here this morning. And you guys need to hear this. He is about forgiveness. He is about redemption. He is about deliverance. And you see it here when he responds to this woman in verse eight, uh, or, uh, chapter 8, verse 11. He says, Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. Go now, because sin has been defeated through me, is what Jesus is saying. Greater is he that is in you than the one that is in the world. Greater is he in you that it, that, than what has control over you right now. He is strength. You, you dive into him. Don't, you know, don't stop. Uh, uh, it, it's not about just like stopping everything bad. It's about understanding who lives inside of you and the strength and where that comes from and that you press into him and you trust him and you let him guide you through this. And then here's what's really great. He actually designed this thing called the local church and the global church. And it's made up of people that were designed to be relational and that were designed to love one another, care for one another, confess to one another, pray for one another, be there for one another. That's what the church looks like. That's 
That's what we're trying to get to here. That's what you can help us with. And so when you, when you run after Jesus and you allow him to take control in that area, when you realize where your strength comes in, then you can be encouraged and you can be healed through the relationships that you have with people here. Because they're not to leave you. They're to, they're to come around you and partner with you. These are the things that we run from, though. Sorry about the mic. That was my fault. One verse I just want to leave here with today is verse 12. says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. And the light of the world, meaning you look at me. I'm the example. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have light of life. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is life. There's a whole lot of death in this city right now. I said it. A whole lot of death. And Jesus just wants us to carry the light to that city so these people can jump into life, that they can get out of darkness. Because here's what happened with this lady. When, when Jesus said, I don't condemn you, he didn't just become the light of the world. He became the light of her world. She just kind of put him now before everything. Like, do you realize what he was saying? I mean, this was, this was a sin that, like, physically she was supposed to die minutes later. And he just forgave that. He became the light of her world. And when, when the light of the world becomes the light of your world, you're never going to walk in darkness again, and you will be changed. Engaged church exists for the rejected exists for the outcast, exists for the people that feel like they don't belong, exists for the people that are living in darkness so that they can be brought and they can be pointed to the light, Jesus Christ, and that they will make him the light of their life and walk towards that light the rest of their life. Engaged church doesn't exist so that we can all think we're perfect or think that we're without mess or feel like we're better than somebody else. It exists so there's a place where people that are living in darkness can belong. Messy people just like you and me who need Jesus desperately. And so as your pastor, I say pray for somebody. Pray for somebody that God would put in front of you that you can invite into the light. And sometimes that looks like coming on a Sunday morning so they can have an experience like this and, and feel welcome. And sometimes that looks like inviting them into a grow group. Sometimes it looks like a cup of coffee or a dinner at your house just so they can feel value and like somebody's reaching out to them. But I pray to you, there are so many opportunities, 78,300 opportunities in city limits alone. There's somebody out there that you can reach. And the cool thing is God wants to use you and is. I'm excited to see what happens. Will you guys stand with me? God is so good. God is so good. And I love that we have times of the year, you know, like where we do have times like an Easter or, uh, uh, um, you know, maybe there's like a concert or something like that. Like, I love those opportunities because it makes my job a little bit easier to like invite somebody or just to just to kind of have that opportunity to have that conversation, right? I mean, I, I'm just, I think the days are, in my opinion, the days are over where, where you just kind of go out on the corner and you hold the Jesus sign and, and then you come home because people were like yelling at you or throwing like, you know, tomatoes at you. And you're like, oh man, thank you, Jesus. I was just persecuted in your name today. Nope, you're kind of just a goofball holding the sign out there that somebody just thought was weird. Honestly, that, that's not really reaching anybody anymore. 
But I'll tell you what God's word says is that when we go out into the streets, when we go out in the streets and we go into the alleys and we go into the dark places and we start inviting people into our lives and into the church and, and into a life with Jesus, it says that they will be compelled that something inside them will stir and they're kind of going to be like, I kind of want what that is, even if they don't know it. I want what they have. I want what that is. John Wesley puts it a statement that I love. If I got tattoos, I'd get it across my chest. He says, get on fire for Jesus and people will come watch you burn. I love that because it takes the responsibility. Like I'm not here to, to, to tell somebody how to live their life. I'm here to show them Jesus so that he can move them into the life that he wants for them. I don't want that responsibility to tell people how to live. No, thank you. I can't even like figure that out in my own life sometimes, right? You don't want to learn from me. I want to point you to Jesus, to the one that can guide you the right way. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for opportunities. Lord, as we think about that, that huge number that almost seems impossible, we ask that you just do a miracle through us. Do a miracle through us. Lord, I pray that every person in here this week would just be, be brave and bold enough to start a conversation, to maybe invite, to maybe uh, uh, ask somebody out for coffee, to invite someone into a grow group, to invite somebody to a Sunday morning service, to just have the conversation. 90% of people, Jesus, would come if we would just be willing to step out. And it makes sense because you've called us. You've called us to go into the world and teach people and tell people about you, teach people the commandments that we have been taught and to baptize people in your name. So it does take our voices, it takes our feet to walk towards them, our hand to reach out, and our voices to ask. I think we can see a miracle in something as simple as that. Sometimes we're just waiting for this, this lightning bolt, this, this uh, uh, wand to wave, like you're going like, to take away our problems, but the miracle is right in front of us. It's the people that we see day in and day out that are standing right there, the eyes looking back, and the heart that needs to be touched by you. Give us boldness, Lord. You didn't bring this gathering of people. You didn't start this up a couple years ago so that we could just turn the key on Sunday mornings, come in here and have some songs to sing and, and sit down in a seat and kind of hear a message and, and just only feel encouraged for ourselves. You want that encouragement to go out into the world. You want that forgiveness that we've felt to go into the world. You want that service that we have felt on us to go into the world. You want that blessing for other people. You want to use us. The God, the creator of the world wants to use us. Thank you. We trust you, Jesus. We thank you for what you're doing in this local church. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, guys, thanks for joining us. Don't forget to add us to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Engage Duluth on Facebook and on the web at EngageChurchDuluth.com. See ya!